This morning, Marty read from the Gospel of Luke, and I'll read from Jeremiah chapter 29. Our message will draw in part from both of these passages, but these words from Jeremiah 29 come from a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles who were in Babylon. They had been taken to Babylon. They were sad and distraught and longed to be home, as you can imagine. There was a temptation among those in exile to just kind of write it out, to live out of their suitcases for a time, because surely this would end. The other temptation was to believe that the grass would be greener back home on the other side of the fence. Jeremiah offers a different message to all of the people who are in exile. Hear these words from the prophet Jeremiah from chapter 29, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 7. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus he said, The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray that the Lord on his on its behalf, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for its welfare, and in its welfare you will find your own. This, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My understanding of Jeremiah 29 uh, is shaped by a sermon that was never preached by the person who wrote it. My dear friend Kyle Lake wrote a sermon, and most people know this sermon by the closing words from it. In his sermon about fear and abandonment, about being unsettled in a strange place, and about the folly of believing that the grass is always greener on the other side, Kyle beautifully described the sentiment from Jeremiah, the sentiment that Jeremiah urges the people to hear. Kyle wrote, I think God is saying to each of us, abandon your plan of escape and be where you are. Plant gardens and live well. I don't know what planting gardens may look like, But let me end by trying to provide a glimpse into what it may be like. He says, live and live well. Breathe and breathe deeply. Be present. Do not be past. Do not be future. Be now. On a crystal clear, breezy, 70 degree day, roll down the windows and feel the wind against your skin. Feel the warmth of the sun. If you run, then allow those first few breaths on a cool autumn day to freeze your lungs and do not be alarmed, but be alive. Get knee-deep in a novel and lose track of time. 
If you bike, pedal hard. And if you crash, then crash well. Feel the satisfaction of a job well done, a paper well written, a project thoroughly completed, and a play well performed. If you must wipe the snot from your three-year-old's nose, don't be disgusted if the Kleenex doesn't catch it all, because soon he'll be wiping his own. If you've recently experienced loss, then grieve, and grieve well. If at the table with family and friends, laugh, and if you're eating and laughing at the same time, then give it all you've got. If you eat, then smell. Aromas are not impediments to your day. Steak on the grill, coffee beans freshly ground, cookies in the oven, and taste. Taste every ounce of flavor, taste every ounce of friendship, taste every ounce of life, because it is most definitely a gift. These words from 2005 remain the most poetic and among the most poetic and appropriate interpretations that I've ever read about this letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon. And I think that's why this passage is helpful for us. The world around us seems awash in confusion, and compared to what we thought the world was going to be like, what we thought we knew, you might feel like one of those who's stuck in exile in Babylon. You might feel like you are with a familiar people, but in an awfully strange place. And so in that vein, maybe Jeremiah and Jesus have the perfect message for us today. Embedded in Jeremiah's letter is, seek the welfare, or seeking the welfare. I I love that phrase. But I know that saying seeking the welfare, at least at some family Thanksgiving tables, might provide a connotation of politics and such. I don't think Jeremiah is talking anything about welfare or entitlements or whatever you want to call them. I actually just call it out to say this is not what we're talking about. This sermon is not about shaping political leanings in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, it's about the opposite. Because some think that politics might be able to save us. And I'm not sure that they can. In fact, out according to God's presence in Jeremiah, it's God who will save us outside of the politics of the land in which they are living. And maybe that idea is what's helpful for us this morning. Seek the welfare, not the welfare check, but the welfare of the city into which you have been brought, into which you have been placed. In this case, the prophet is talking to the Israelites who were forcibly taken to Babylon. And listening to Jeremiah, it wasn't just bad luck. It was God who sent them into that exile. Now, regardless of why they find themselves there in that predicament, the solution to getting out for them in this case is not to revolt or to fight or to advocate for the right king to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. Rather, Jeremiah's message is that the way through, the way that God gives them is to settle in, to take care of yourselves, your families, 
your spiritual lives, and to seek the welfare of the city into which you've been called. Do what you can to make things go well for the people in Babylon. Be the powerful, faithful, redeeming presence of God's people. Bless others. Show them love and care. Cultivate gardens and settle down. There is no more exercise, uh, practical exercise that, uh, of faith when it comes to settling down than to plant a garden. It's there in some ways. Just waiting and hoping that a seed will give off fruit. Cultivate a garden, start a family in a strange place where you are unsure where to go and what to do and how to do it and how to live and you're uncertain, uncertain about how God wants you to embrace this place. Seek the welfare of the community in which you live. This is where hope, possibility, and salvation will come from. But this must, it must have been hard for the Israelites. All of you, I'm sure, know enough about the Old Testament to know that they were promised a land. We look back and we see that God made a promise to these people. And in the Exodus, Moses delivered these people. And they finally get to the promised land and they holler and the walls come tumbling down. They get King Saul and then King David and King Solomon and they build a temple. And they're living in this promised land. They're trying to make it, make it its best. And then they're attacked. In this case, they're forcibly taken to Babylon in exile. They're forcibly taken from home. And like Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, they have every reason in the world to just longingly say and pray, there's no place like home. Given what they've been promised of all the people, they were the ones who most could embrace a message like there's no place like home because their identity as a people had been tied to this promised land, this place, this, this home. If anybody's going to believe that there should be no place like home, it's these folks that Jeremiah is writing to. But God tells them to do something different. Don't long for home. Don't pine for the past. Don't believe that the grass is greener somewhere else. Seek the welfare of where you are now. Make sure you prosper despite your political position. Make sure you have families and teach them my commandments. Don't rely on the emperor to do something for you when what you need to do is actually be faithful to me. Seek the welfare of those around you in the place where you have been sent. And as you seek me, even there, even in that strange place, you will be cared for and provided for and blessed. These are good words to an exiled people, and maybe they're good words for us as well. As I've already alluded to, or maybe not alluded, explicitly said, if we consider the news on the screen every night, the, the, the letters in the paper every morning, if there was ever a people who could truly faithfully embrace such a stance regarding the place where we live, 
the political climate in which we live in, maybe it's us. Maybe it helps us to hear this word as well. Because whether it's Donald or Hillary or Roy or Pat or liberalism or conservatism or libertarianism or some other ism, all around us, everybody thinks they've got a solution for us, a way that we all can prosper. But, but when we read scripture, I'm not sure that their plans matter as much as God's does. According to the scripture, for those who are in exile, who are strangers in a strange land, when you're faithful to God, your welfare is not tied to the emperor or the president or the pharaoh or the king. Rather, your welfare and your quality of life is tied to the faith you have, the devotion to God you have, the care you offer in providing yourself and offering yourself to the community in which you live. Your welfare is tied to the devotion you have to the God who loves you. It's tied to the ways you put your faith into action, even if you live in a land that now seems quite strange. Even if you live in a land that feels strange, though you've been here all your life. a little bit of a change of gears, but that gospel passage from Luke is an interesting one to be paired today with this passage, isn't it? It's one we all can share in a couple of sentences. Sure, I read it this week and retold it to the kids, but it's just matter of fact. There's ten lepers. They hear Jesus on, is on his way. They cry out, have mercy on me. They presumably all get healed not when they get to the priest, but on their way to the priest. But only one is paying attention enough to a situation to turn around and go back and say, thank you, God, for healing me. Of course, given that it's Luke's gospel, and it's Jesus doing the healing, this is a Samaritan, a stranger, an outsider, who sees what God has done for him, and apart from the powers of the reigning priest who would have declared him clean, this one goes back knowing that Jesus healed him and offers his thanks and his appreciation. He, in his actions, in a small but powerful way, actually, I think, embodies the spirit with which we can live out what Jeremiah is calling us to. When you find yourself in a strange land, in strange circumstances, sometimes the best route forward is to make the most of the moment in which you are living in. Make it a little better. Offer appreciation. Give thanks. Embrace possibility. Forgive. And most of all, remember that your situation and your lot and your very being are not determined by the people who exert power over you but by the love, grace, and appreciation you can exhibit and embody for those who are around you. When you're healed, give thanks. When you're in a strange land, seek the welfare of those who are around you. And if you want to know where God is, look for goodness and hope and joy and the possibility of healing, for in those we see that God is with us. But apart from them, apart from them, the grass will always seem greener on the other side. And there will always be some other goal 
of being somewhere else other than where God has placed you here and now today. Sharing love and appreciation is important. We teach our children to do this. We teach them to go, go say thank you, write the note, and knowing that we are loved and forgiven and embraced and not forgotten is an essential part of our human existence. It is something we deeply need. And as we live our life on our, on our way to heaven and, and, and on our way to living fully with God, one of the simplest ways that we can seek the welfare for the world around us is to embody that spirit of the healed Samaritan leper. To show appreciation, to show love, to give thanks. And as we do so, we're seeking the welfare of the place in which we're called to live. As we do so, we're improving the world around us. As we do this, we're making the profound and powerful statement that our faith and our goodness and our experience of God is not tied to who's in charge, but it's tied to what we do with the things that we've been given charge of. So seek the welfare, not the welfare check. Seek the welfare, the goodness of those who are around us. Seek the welfare and don't thrive on gossip. Seek the welfare and don't wait for those with political power. Seek the welfare and do not assume that someone else will love or can love the way that you've been called to love. Seek the welfare of the city in which God has placed you because your future depends on that. And this is where God needs you. In chapter 29 of Jeremiah, he writes a letter to a familiar people who find themselves in a very strange land. You may look around and find yourself to be a familiar person, but in a very strange land too. But this is what God has for us today. This is what God has called us to today. And this is where God can use us today. So, don't long for someone, something, or somewhere else. Don't put hope, faith, or desire somewhere else in some other time. Rather, continue seeking God and continue seeking the welfare of these people which God has given to you, God has given to us. Continue seeking the welfare of this place where God has given us and then receive the promise that God will be with us every step of the way as we do so. Will you pray with me? Loving God, all around us are temptations to think that somewhere else, that something else, that someone else can make things a little better, can do things a little easier, can provide things a little more readily. But you have called us here. You have called us to seek the welfare of this place in which we live. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see the ways that you are providing a way forward to us. Help us to see the ways in which you are giving us ways to participate in your love and life in the world.
world. Lord, help us to see the ways in which you have called us forward to be your people in this land for a land that desperately needs your love and your grace and your power and your forgiveness. And so, Lord, help us to be your people, always seeking the welfare of those who are around us, of the place in which you've placed us, so that in doing so we might see your work and your love and your presence as well. Lord, help us to be seeking your welfare, their welfare, and help us to see you you amid that in these days. It is in your great and holy name that we offer this prayer, O Lord. Amen.